Hello, Internet. You are now experiencing technical difficulties. Uh, this is Ethan, and I am doing an interview today with Rob from Isolation Games about his uh, game When the Moon Hangs Low, uh, which I'm a huge fan of uh, and which is going to be kickstarting in short order. So uh, welcome, Rob. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, um, When the Moon Hangs Low is, uh, I guess I'll let you describe your game instead of talking about myself. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, well, yeah, get When the Moon Hangs Low is a uh, a gothic action roleplay game um, set in a, a pseudo-Victorian decaying city on the brink of chaos um, in which the player characters are all uh, people cursed uh by a sort of a chance encounter with strange forces that have left them with a an inescapable horrible fate but at the same time a collection of strange powers that enable them to sort of stand against the growing darkness in this this decaying city and and sort of try and hold back the the tide for a little while before they eventually succumb to their curse mm. and that's the the sort of the, the brief elevator pitch i guess that's great uh, so it did it does of course perhaps remind one of some some uh, inspirational sources. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it wears its inspiration very much on its sleeve. Um, it's it was born of uh, me playing a lot of Bloodborne, um, a lot of Darkest Dungeon, um, mm. and also there's a couple of other things. I mean, um, I'm a great fan. There's a uh, trilogy of books called The Baz Lag Cycle by a writer called China Melville. Oh yeah. Which is like a, a very, um, I think the set, the genre is new weird, um, but they were a big inspiration. The sort of this rambling weird city, um, and also um, around the same time I was uh, writing this, I was reading my way through Berserk, the, oh, the manga, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's that's that snuck a few little influences in there as well. I guess that's where that's one of the things that inspired a lot of the FromSoft uh, games like Bloodborne and Dark Souls too. So yeah, getting very back much. to the, yeah, to the sources. All, all, of a route, yeah, that kind of thing. And I know that um, Darkest Dungeon has kind of made a few references to Berserk in the past. So yeah, it's oh, all right. very sort of circular sort of references. But yeah, the, the sort of the one of the biggest influences was um, Bloodborne, and also my sort of love of gothic horror. And um, as someone else pointed out, they were like, Did, "Were you watching a lot of Van Helsing when you <laughs> when you wrote it?" I was like, oh, "Oh, I guess I was kind of <laughs> maybe a little bit." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a terrible film, but it's a good influence. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of things I found that are not necessarily great art in the, in and of themselves, but can make really good inspiration for for RPGs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it, you can take little pieces of of everything and yeah, yeah, spin your own. But yeah, it's very much. Although it's it's very it borrows very heavily from these sources. I like to think that I've kind of put them together in a slightly different way. It is not a one-to-one of Bloodborne or Darkest Dungeon. You mm-hmm. can see where I've taken influences, but um, yeah, I like to think that it's it's very much its own creature and its own setting. Um, and yeah, you could use it to basically say, I want to play Bloodborne, but at the same time, mm-hmm. When the Moon Hangs Low is its own story, has its own um, set it or feel mm-hmm. and, and sort of vibe as well. Right, yeah. Well, I I have not gotten to play it yet. I must confess, but I am I'm looking forward to doing so sometime in the near future uh, with you or just yeah. uh, on our own. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm more than happy to run a game for you in the uh, 
the others at technical difficulties. So uh, yeah. yeah, you're more than welcome to take me up on that. And uh... <laughs> well, thank you very much. We were full disclosure. We were actually planning to uh, play today, uh, but uh, one of our uh, poor players came down with a back injury and is unable to join us. So hence, hence the uh, <laughs> hence the interview. Well, um, well. Why don't you, uh, Rob, why don't you just sort of tell me a little bit about like your own uh, RPG history? Like, how'd you get into playing in RPGs, writing for them, and designing and stuff like that? Well, I, I started oh, back in the, the mists, back in the 80s, um, huh. when uh, I went into a hobby shop um, for something else and found these cool little lead goblin people or in fact they were rat people mm. and thought wow what are these and it was warhammer mm-hmm. um and sort of warhammer i got very much into warhammer i started playing skaven um and uh they were like my gateway drug uh i um nice. <laughs> so met, met other people made friends who, who played warhammer and one of them introduced me to um games workshops roleplay system which is warhammer mm-hmm. fantasy roleplay yeah um and this was the the sort of the og first edition of that and mm. we started playing playing that um and then around the same time i was aware of dungeons and dragons <clears throat> and uh, but i'd never played it uh and then when i started college which is not the same as u.s college this is english college so it was <laughs> all 16 to 18 so what hu- like high school um mm. uh there was a, a role play games club um and i went along and uh, was introduced to dungeons and dragons and then world of darkness and cyberpunk 2020 and all the other sort of the games mm. um and yeah i sort of went from playing to games mastering and around that time um sort of started writing my own settings and plots and things like that and sort of started experimenting with like oh you know what happens if you take the, these dice and use them in this situation? What, mm-hmm. or, you know, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't have a, a system that allows you to do this kind of thing. You know, what can, mm-hmm. can I make up a little dice system that allows you to do that? And so that sort of was my my intro to like uh, game mechanics. I guess Neat. sounds like you uh, played a lot of different systems before you kind of got to the designer phase. Very much, yeah. And it's a piece of um, advice that I've. I've a member of a couple of design groups and one of the main pieces of advice we tend to throw around is it, um before you start writing play as many systems as you can because it's amazing when you go oh i've got this amazing idea oh no someone's already written it yeah, <laughs> yeah. It <exists>. uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily um, an oh no yeah. it might give you like oh great someone's already solved this problem <laughs> yeah 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 and it's and it's also it's seeing like well they did it this way and what happens if you apply it to this uh-huh. and that kind of thing yeah um and there's there's no such thing as an original idea. It's just a, an original implementation. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I I played around and and you know wrote game wrote systems and ran them for my friends for years mm-hmm. uh, until God uh, maybe about I'm the COVID has now interfered with my <laughs> conception of time. I know. I would say <laughs> eight years ago, but I think it's more like ten or twelve now. Okay. Um, I wrote a we we my friends and I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons and we finished a big campaign and we we're like oh what should we do now and I said well I've got this idea for like a, a kind of like a mecha game but it's medieval and you know there's like big suits that you can pilot and they were like yeah that sounds fine that sounds interesting so we basically I wrote up a, a system for doing mm. that uh-huh. we played a campaign and they enjoyed it and then I 
ran another campaign and added a few more rules and it slowly transformed from like a medieval mecha thing into like a 1910 first world war but with mecha kind of yeah. setting and um and then the the notes kind of built up and built up and uh it was about sort of yeah 10 years ago i was uh, bored one new year's evening and i was like what could i do for a new year's resolution i guess i actually try and turn that pile of notes into an actual book and put it somewhere that other people could read it oh cool so i i sat down and undertook the project of writing my first actual proper cover to cover rpg which became hmm. my first system age of steel yeah, that's awesome so when did that uh when did you actually like officially publish that then um now that is a good question <laughs> i think it's 2017 so again my company, oh, okay. my the ability of me actually remembering dates and times has been completely destroyed yeah. by the pandemic. But I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually 17. I was looking at it in Drive Through RPG, and they don't seem like they have a very good system for like dating when stuff was added to. No, there. I was just gonna have a look. Well, <laughs> I was I'm like, oh, looking. I could cheat. No, I can't. <laughs> Let me have a look. First uploaded. Uh, oh, it added to the catalog. Uh, January the fifteenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, so yeah, so it was. I think it was twenty seventeen. I started doing it, and it's. Okay. Um, it took me a full year of uh, collecting all my notes realizing half of them disagreed with the other half <laughs> um like chopping out huge bits of setting mm. um and then doing a lot of play testing so i actually play tested age of steel yeah. first with my friends as like a, right this is the actual system rather than just like a bunch of oh I, you know rule finger in the air rules mm. and then also um outsourcing it to groups that i had nothing to do with and basically saying play this tell me what you think you know yeah. what what worked what didn't work and then um iterating the system and then actually uh obtaining artwork yeah publishing it putting it together and then putting it up on our drive through rpg that's awesome you know we actually got our start as a uh playtesting podcast uh we mm. started uh as a, a like a beta campaign playtest for uh red markets uh game by Caleb Stokes that uh came out boy I guess uh six ish years ago six Six or seven years ago, yeah, and we just we were all big fans of him uh, as a designer, and um, it was his first big RPG that he'd written, and uh, like we really want to play like a help with the beta test for this, so we we just started recording it, and it eventually turned into a a podcast. It's now been going for like golly, like uh, since twenty sixteen, I think. Now, yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that whole playtest uh, process is just uh, it's it's really interesting and. Mm. no yeah. it's and it's fascinating what like giving two different groups or three different or four different groups the same thing and mm -hmm. then seeing what you get back yeah um i mean it's it you you grow a very thick skin very quickly oh for um, sure <laughs> um yep. but it's really interesting how yeah different people will digest the same document and give you different pieces of feedback and oh, yeah. yeah age of steel was was my first and um it's one of those things I keep meaning to go back to it after when the moon hangs lows kickstarted and everything. Mm -hmm. I think my next one might be a, a second edition of age of steel. Yeah. Um, cool. Because it is my, it's kind of my, my first love mm -hmm. and you know, it's the one I've done a lot of um, subsequent. Uh, I've done a couple of supplements. I've done a couple of printed adventures mm -hmm. um, and it'd be nice to go back and, and give it a bit more love. And yeah. 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 Sort of a, second coat of paint kind of thing update yeah so so does when when the moon hangs low does he use basically the same mechanical system as age of steel yes yes okay. so it's it's a system that i kind of developed 
um, with a couple of friends, um, trying to um, not just use D20s and things like that. So it's a D6 dice pool system um, in, in which you've got three stats, um, physical, mental, social, or physique, intellect, and presence. Um, and uh, you roll a number of D6 equal to your stat. And then uh, the number on each dice that's required to be a success is based on your level of skill. So if you're untrained, you, any dice that's a five or six is a success. If you're mm. trained, then it's a four or five or six. And if you've mastered it, then it's a three or four or five or six. Uh, so it's basically, it's meant to allow characters to, um, there's never, you can't just say, oh, I want to make this skill check. And the games master says, we don't have the skill. Mm-hmm. So anyone can do any kind of skill check. Um, but um, if you've got the skill, you're just more successful. And I really, I, I really like that design. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, a friend who's a mathematician do some weird diagrams about d sixes and things like that. And he was because we were debating which dice to use, and it turns out that yes, lots of d sixes actually mathematically better or something like that. So yeah. it was it was quite interesting. So there, there has been some actual conscious thought into like dice and dice mechanics as well so i've always i always wonder about that sort of thing because like i know different designers have really different uh takes mm. on that some some people get really hard into the math and want to like make sure they know exactly and then other people are like yeah i don't know roll some dice <laughs> yeah i mean i'm I'm more the the latter but yeah i at least had someone of the former to get into it to look yeah. at it and go, is it right and he was like yes it's right because of these graphs i was like cool Great. okay let's get on with it uh, <laughs> there, are, there are there are a lot of i find there are a lot of uh rpg designers who are who who are humanities people in school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my 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 uh, university degree is in uh, was in computer game design and, ah. and fine fine art. So you know, it's <laughs> I've got a bachelor of arts, not a bachelor of science. Yeah, I know that is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, it's uh, it's a, it seems like a pretty elegant design system. Like one mm. of the things that's nice is like you know you're never rolling so many dice that it's like hard to keep track of your number and. Um, it seems like when you're just you just kind of have the two different sets of variables the number of dice you roll and what uh what numbers you're looking at for success which uh which is pretty pretty easy to follow so yeah i'm yep i'm 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 quite pleased with it and it's it's slowly had some um sort of evolution to it so in age of steel the dice system is virtually the same but then when the moon hangs low i've added the concept of uh penalty dice Okay. Um, so, which is um, when you're making a skill check, and if the games master's sort of saying, "Oh, there's something that causes an issue," like uh, your it's very dark or it's very noisy, there's something mm. that would would make the test harder, but isn't increasing the difficulty. Mm. Um, and that's dice that you roll at the same time, but a different color dice or something like that. Mm. And if they roll a five or a six, they cancel out a a success. Which again mm. is there's a similar similar systems in other. Mm-hmm. games but this is my my version of it and it's I like, like it. i've thought if i do do age of steel version 2 they'll get sort of retroactively nice. tacked, tacked onto that so yeah that's a little less punishing than just taking dice out of your pool right especially if you only have three or four dice in your pool <laughs> yeah and again the 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 average the odds of it actually cancelling one out aren't actually that great mm-hmm. so yeah. it's just a sort of a little additional sort of difficulty yeah, it's interesting, you know, so you, can, so you can get the feel of the higher difficulty without necessarily being like, actually, no, you're t- mathematically, you're really screwed here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Some yeah. of the things with like disadvantage rolls in like D&D 5th edition, you're like, mm. this is actually super, this is rough. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 so, yeah, you're not, and it's uh, things like um, advantage and disadvantage in Call of Cthulhu, oh, where yeah. you roll the tens dice again and, and uh-huh. sort of 
it can wildly change things. So, yeah, yeah, I played a, I, I play and I run a lot of a lot of Call of Cthulhu and and other horror games uh, mm. like that. And um, I find I actually don't really use the advantage like the penalty die system very much uh, because, uh, well, I mean, basically, like I kind of am just willing to let like success and fail kind of just like sand on its own and see where it takes the story. Yeah. Um, and not really quite get into the like the, like the hard mechanics of it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think that's uh, kind of different about when the moon hangs low, I guess you wouldn't really describe it as a as a horror game, would you? Uh, I mean, I I did originally. It was um, it was when the moon hangs low. A blood splattered gothic horror was the tagline. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple of rounds of playtesting, one of my playtesters was like, "Is it really gothic horror?" Hmm. And I was like, "Hmm, maybe it's not." And I sort of had a think, and that's why I, I tag it as gothic action. Mm-hmm. Which is um, a phrase I made up, but I'm hoping people, you know, it catches on and people credit me in 10 years' time with creating a genre. Uh, <laughs> um, which, um, so the idea of gothic horror is, is you know, oh, there's this terrible, horrible thing and when we're helpless to fight against mm-hmm. it. You know, Jonathan Harker versus Dracula, um, hmm. uh, Frankenstein versus his monster. It's, it's generally, gothic horror is a, a genre of very weak protagonists versus oh, yeah. very strong antagonists so and again it kind of goes into the eldritch horror of call of cthulhu where it's mm-hmm. like there's these terrible cosmic beings and all you can do is hope to survive yeah rather than, rather than win whereas when the moon hangs low it, the the characters are all meant to be these sort of slightly grim battered heroes mm-hmm. who um out of not really um charity more sort of they've got nothing left to lose so they'll mm-hmm. fight the darkness mm-hmm. but because they're possessed of these strange abilities they have the ability to to actually sort of fight on a not quite an equal footing but at least you know a, a fair footing mm-hmm. um and so that yeah so to me it's not a gothic horror game it's gothic action so it's more in the vein of uh league of extraordinary gentlemen or uh the the um Hugh Jackman Van Helsing movie that kind mm. of yeah. you know there's there's horrible dark things you can fight them it will cost you but there is a chance for you to win that kind right. of thing that's one of the things I think like that really inspired me from like Bloodborne and what makes me see like mm. the Bloodborne Darkest Dungeon uh, effect here because yeah those are games and that's a, that's pretty common in 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 video games where you you primarily interact with the world by killing things in it <laughs> yes yeah and it's yeah it's it's and again it's like that yeah like blood blood bleh, bloodborne um yeah it's like here's here's a city full of monsters why don't you mm-hmm. go out and kill some of them so again it's yeah. the, the and i wanted the setting for when the moon hangs low to kind of reinforce this idea of mm-hmm. there's a, a horrible terrible city where a a plague um has turned has killed a lot of people and those mm-hmm. it didn't kill it's turned them into monsters and that yeah. it's that if you leave them alive they degenerate and they become right. even worse monsters yeah. so um you know all you've got left is kind of these grim heroes yeah. who you know go out and they're they're served contracts by the the surviving people of the city mm-hmm. to you know there's an infestation in this place or we need to get to this place and get medical supplies mm-hmm. and the, the the most traditional way of executing one of those contracts is to get a big sword or a gun and and off you go and kill but then it's not necessarily you know it's not a um pure combat game there's um it's i term it as a game of um horror investigation and combat and those are sort of the three pillars that i kind of designed the game around yeah that's one of the things that's what really made me made it appeal to me because 
Like when I was first looking for like casting about for like, how would I play Bloodborne as a as a tabletop RPG? I'm like, well, like Bloodborne itself is set like the the specific setting of Bloodborne is for like a single protagonist character to go out and just like kill his way from one end of the game into the other. That's a video game for you. I mean, (laughs) that's what the game's about. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you learn stuff along the way, you put the story together based on item descriptions and classic from stuff. But like, you really like, you don't really talk to that many people. You mostly (laughs) fight. Yeah, most of the conversations are very one-sided and mysterious (laughs) as well. Exactly. There's one person going to tell me something that I don't understand, and I'm just going to keep going until I find the next checkpoint. But, um, yeah, but like I was thinking for a, for a tabletop RPG, you'd want like a wider variety of ways to interact with people. You'd want and you'd need a setting that was a little bit more functional as a like a society or as like a like a civilization than you have in like Bloodborne cuz yes, you want yeah. some people who are like alive to actually like ask you to help them or like tell you what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why where Haramir is kind of so Haramir, the city that is uh, when the moon hangs low is set in, is is very much it's a city on the brink. Yeah. Um, so whereas you know Bloodborne is several steps down this path, exactly. Haramir is at the sort of the turning point where it could be saved or it could go into chaos, and right. it's sort of the the hunters, the player characters that are that thin line that's kind of stopping it going one way or the other. Yeah. So like if you played a campaign out and like you had a really successful campaign in which mm. the uh, the uh, um, protagonists kind of fulfilled their their objectives and and were generally successful, uh, mm. they could, I imagine, you know, kind of preserve the city or at least save it from from, you know, real apocalypse type stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, oh, go on, sir. No, go ahead. I was going to say there's um so within the setting of when the moon hangs low there are there's different groups power powerful individual groups that all want their own thing for the city mm. and you know depending on which one the players ally themselves with could affect the what happens and in lots of play tests that I ran play, players did one thing or the other and and we ended up with different with different scenarios of like oh the city is doomed this way or <laughs> that way or <laughs> nice. Do you have any like uh, you know your favorite stories from playtesting it? Um, I mean, I think it's uh, one of my favorite setups was I asked my my usual playtesting group to come up with a, a a group of characters and work out how they were all related, and they worked out that they were all the same member of a a, a squad that was sent o- a squad of soldiers that were sent off to to find something, and they don't really work out what. But oh. the the squad was massacred. But they were basically all characters from. Do you remember Sharp's Rifles? I'm not sure if that's something. Oh, you know. I've heard of that. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. So I um, Sh- Sean Bean um, mm-hmm. plays yeah. the main character. It's a TV series in the in the UK for years. Uh, but they basically just they all ripped off characters from Sharp's Rifles, um, and half the squad were brutally massacred in the intro, and then the other half survived and ended up as the. So we had the haunted doctor and the oh. obsessed officer and the the bitter grim sniper and things like that. Oh. They were a great crew who just muscled their way through the city by being the the no the the officer was slightly noble and swanky and and just <laughs> bossing his way around, and the sniper just being grumpy at everyone, and the doctor just looking for an excuse to get drunk. It was a, <laughs> it was quite entertaining. That's fantastic. Yeah. So. um I guess um I guess a sort of answer to question that is like what is a campaign of when the hangs look look like 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 there's some there's some options of how you could do a campaign for it yeah, I guess yeah and so yeah so the the built-in 
game device of when the moon hangs low is contracts so if mm-hmm. if, if you just wanted to sit down and play it of an evening uh, there are there's random tables in the back for even generating a contract and the idea is that the the people who are left in the city um traditional law and order has broken down the the, mm. the militia are you know helplessly outnumbered and outgunned so people if they've got a problem will write it down on a piece of paper and stick it on a wall um in a a, a place called the wall of woe where there's just layers and layers of old contracts and hunters will come along take a contract and fill it mm. and so um yeah, if you wanted to run a really quick game, you could roll up a contract and it's like, you know, what what do you need to do? Where do you need to go? Is there a complication to it? So you get there and yeah. actually you've been told to hunt one monster and there's three, that kind of thing. Um, and that's the sort of the framing device of most sessions. But a mm-hmm. campaign, the ones I've run, they start off like that with the, the players taking a few contracts, getting hang of how the, the game works and how the city works. But then sewing in deeper conspiracy and you know mm. there's there's a lot of unanswered questions that i've intentionally left in the setting which is you know yeah. where did the plague come from why do some people turn into these monsters called ghouls um what does the church there's a church that you know runs the city the church I'm the sh- undergot i'm undergot. sure they're the good guys the church are well, always great in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what, what are they doing in their cathedral how where do they get this strange drug that um gives eternal life from that kind of and it's so it's it's that's where a, a, a campaign would sort of shape you know it's um solving questions but it also mm-hmm. could be you know everyone who travels to Haramir, you travel one way through a, a quarantine and you can't get back. Mm-hmm. So one of the games I did run was um, the players trying to work out how they actually escape. Mm. Um, and uh, in the end, they tried to steal a ship and run the naval blockade out in the bay. Um, ah. But it's yeah, it's interesting questions like that. It's like you know, what's what? What is your character? Why is your character here? What do they mm-hmm. want to do? What's their end goal? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, one of the games we play most often, like I said, is Red Marcus, the first game we ever played. Mm. And it has that similar. Um, it's like a. I'm not sure you're if you're familiar with it, but it's um, it's a, it's set in like a post in like a zombie post apocalypse thing. But it has that same structure of like the the characters take jobs for people, like they do. Um, they do. They take on contracts and do work. And I find that's a really really helpful thing for to like give people something to bite on onto. Like if they've never if they're not familiar with the game before, it's not it's not like Dungeons and Dragons. Well, where it's like, well, here's like a giant plot that you're part of, and that only makes sense over like fifty <laughs> sessions yeah. or whatever. It's like here's something you do like right now that makes sense to your character. It gives you and a. It's the, it's the older you meet you meet in an inn, uh-huh. and then some mysterious stranger hands you a you know, can you kill rats in my basement? That kind of thing. <laughs> but with this time, you know, you can meet in an inn and ask someone asks you to kill rats in their basement, but there's a reason. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it can expand from there, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's really cool. Uh, so I ask, speaking of expanding, so you are doing a Kickstarter for for When the Moon Hangs Low now. I am, yes. Yeah. So yeah, so I published When the Moon Hangs Low a year ago. Um and um producing books is quite an expensive process mm-hmm. um artwork is the main expense of that i've got two amazing artists that i use um but i believe in paying them you know what they they should be paid and what they ask for i don't haggle or anything like that but that does mean that when i come to publish a book i have to set myself a budget because um mm-hmm. even though men the moon hangs low has quite been quite successful um it's not you know, made me a huge amount of money. So mm-hmm. when I first published the PDF, um, I published it as a PDF rather. Um, I p- 
had one or two pieces of really lovely character artwork. I had a cover. I had some of the the the, the classes, the marks um, mm-hmm. illustrated, and everything else was um, stock art that I got from a royalty free um, service, yeah. um, which I then sort of I picked stuff of you know it's all art, a gothic architecture and grim tunnels and things like that mm-hmm. um changed them to black and white saturated them a little bit so they looked a bit suitable and i've used that as my my artwork um but i you know i could have created a, a printed book based on that but i was mm. always a bit sort of like no oh, it's not it's not quite what i want for my artwork mm. um and i've never done a kickstarter so i'm always a believer in like you know so if you've done one thing then what's the next kind of evolution oh, yeah. to that and so I was always like, well, I guess if I want to do a printed version of it, I'll do a Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. from day one of putting When the Moon Hangs Low up on DriveThruRPG, I've, I've had in the description, you know, soon to be a printed edition with a Kickstarter. And yes. then it's come around now and, it, you know, it. Um, I wanted to see how well it performed. And When the Moon Hangs Low has actually performed very well. It's already already an Electrum bestseller. Yeah, I see um, that. Nice. And so I thought, well, yeah, I'll do a, a Kickstarter so this is to finance artwork to fully replace all the artwork in the book that is stock mm-hmm. um, with sort of bespoke artwork created by by two artists. Um, and the basic goal is just literally a, well, not quite a one-to-one because there are going to be some minor rules amends, mm-hmm. but it's a, a new edition of the book, taking the existing PDF, updating some of the spelling mistakes that I've hidden around as Easter eggs, there's um, always some. And, there there yeah, will always yeah, be some. Yeah. Uh, and just swapping out all the art for brand new artwork, basically. Um, Great. And yeah, and then hopefully that will 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 end up with a hardcover and a softcover version awesome. that will then be fully available from DriveThru. Great. So it's going to be print on demand from DriveThru, or yes, it will be. Yeah. Great. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, how has been? How would you describe your process of learning how to do the the Kickstarter for the first time? That sounds that could be a big project. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. It, they do make it easy. At the same time, it's incredibly intimidating because it's mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. I mean, it's um, I've I've been self-publishing now for yeah, like five years, so it's not completely alien, but it's a mm-hmm. different direction that it's taken me. So it has been mm-hmm. it's been interesting, a little bit stressful, mostly just confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and it's uh, I mean, things like promotion is the the biggest. Oh, yeah. like bugbear because it's it's one of those things of right i've done the thing now how do i tell people i've done the thing mm-hmm. so it's really it's great when people let you reach out to me and ask to, to do interviews like this um yeah. it's like my this is my first foray into like facebook advertising right and all the things that you know you you, you have to jump through with that and dealing mm-hmm. with clever comments on facebook adverts and <laughs> <laughs> um, don't yeah. feed the trolls <laughs> no exactly yeah yeah um <laughs> growing another thick skin um <laughs> but yeah it's it's so far not been too bad i'm bracing myself for when we actually go live so we go live next friday which i know this is podcast land so that's uh the 23rd maybe september um, 23rd to, yes. to 2022 that's it that's gonna be a 30 um, day project uh, it's a 28 day 28 day, um, okay. so kickstarter gives you a little bit of background about the length of stuff uh, basically the longer you run it the less likely it is to hit your goal or something. Yeah, like, you know, you can, yeah. you can you can put them on for up to sixty days, but the longer you run them, the, the sort of harder it is to maintain. And they, uh-huh. you know, there's lots of graphs about um, the first two days of Kickstarter is when you make 
like ninety percent of your money, and then interest just drops off, you know, almost solidly after right. a couple of days. So there's lots of mm. you know having more advertising mid um, Kickstarter, and then a, a few days before the end yeah. is always useful. And uh, so it's, and again, it's like drive through RPG are quite supportive in that they'll send emails on your behalf oh, that's um, to sort of just prod people. So it's, yeah, it's all just things like that. But yeah, it's been interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm anticipating the next month to be to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. So, what are your goals for that? I guess I guess you got your you're doing all your math and figuring out what what it is you need. And... Sure. I mean, well, yeah. So um, the basic um, uh, sort of goal is is seven thousand mm-hmm. pounds. Um, I'm not quite sure what that translates to in in dollars, but that's for <laughs> all of the artwork. Um, but then that also. Uh, so I had um, when I first created the the PDF, uh, I met a. a composer who offered Oop. to do a, a soundtrack for like the uh the trailer i put out for the pdf oh and yeah. then when i was doing the kickstarter they they came back to me and said oh do you want some more 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 trailer music i was like yeah brilliant and they <laughs> produced some really cool um they've got an album up on youtube for um horror D games oh. and we were always sort of saying oh it would be great to do a soundtrack for when the moon hangs low and they've said that basically so uh, um they're, they're quite happy to do that so the basic goal also includes a 30 minute soundtrack by them oh great um, cool. which will be sort of hosted for everyone to use mm-hmm. and then um as we go through the goals um the goals will slowly add more content to the books um mm-hmm. and one of the goals um is an enhanced soundtrack so we we push the soundtrack to a whole hour of mm-hmm. sort of gothic horror music based around uh, the themes of when the moon hangs low yeah um but yeah, so then there's I've got some nice stretch goals as well um, mm-hmm. to increase uh, the, the the number of marks in the book, which are so marks are basically like classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I've already released some bonus marks on my Discord for the game. Great. Um, then uh, there'll be uh, more monsters, um, expanded um, information on the setting, mm-hmm. and and then the sort of the final stretch goal is just even more artwork. Oh, great. Um, because you know, more, 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 more artwork, I, you know, I, I can't sure. get enough. Um, I, I've also the, um, one of my friends who wrote the introduction sort of stories at the beginning of each chapter. Oh, I um, like those a lot, by the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 and, um, yeah, Matthew, uh, my, my friend who's the, the writer did a brilliant job of, of mm-hmm. sort of getting the setting and getting the theme. And uh, when I said I was doing a Kickstarter, he was like, Oh, I could uh, do a bit more you know okay. a bit more fiction for you so that Ooh. that might make a make an appearance as well so i got to say those yeah. were those were a big selling point for me when i was reading through the i'm like oh they're not and they're not like in they're not necessarily in chronological order no yeah. they're not yeah no it's, yeah. it was that was his idea and uh, yeah it works really well he uh, oh, yeah, i will okay. say he has got a a trilogy of books coming out Ooh. uh yeah cool what's his name uh is matthew holland matthew holland awesome cool uh yeah shout out to to his upcoming books then mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah, uh this one's called the mushroom thief and the <laughs> mushroom thief all right cool well uh awesome uh well um sounds like sounds like a really great kickstarter project um seems like you got you got it ready to go thank you um, yeah. well we would we would love to play honestly either during your kickstarter if you have time i can i can certainly understand if, if it's going to be too busy for you during that time you can it's hard to tell uh, but any any other time later, and um, I'm definitely going to try to run it at some point too. 
absolutely love to run a game for you guys. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, and I've I've got some uh, some some local friends that I think I might try to try to push it on to too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, any anything else? Anything else you want to add about uh, about what's going on? Uh, I, I mean, well, yeah, I've got a. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, there is a, a website for when the moon hangs low, and we also have our own Discord. So, oh yeah, I need to join that Discord. Out. Yeah, <laughs> after this, send me an invite to your Discord server. I will. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Well, uh, uh, yeah, thank you thank, again as well. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob, um, and uh, everybody out there. Um, back the Kickstarter for when the moon hangs low, starting uh, on. September twenty third. Uh, it's gonna be really cool. It's a great game alert. Oh, and, and back the Kickstarter, and you can also buy the current edition in Drive Through uh, RPG uh, right now. And it's currently um, it's less than five dollars. No, oh, it's a it's an awesome value. So yes, a <laughs> uh, great game. Well, um, thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot, Rob, and uh, thanks for doing this. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, very soon. Thank you. All right, and uh, good night, Internet.